Hello and welcome to Wonderful. I'm David Pearl, the founder of Street Wisdom, and this is a podcast that we've designed for anyone who wants to get some inspiration on the go. Let me explain. These are times when a lot of us are using a walk to create a bit of thinking time. A bit of time when no one's asking anything of us. Time to chew ideas over, to think about what comes next and maybe get a bit of inspiration. And a lot of us, me included, are listening to podcasts while we walk. Wonderful is a podcast designed specifically for that. A podcast for you to walk to. Something to put a bit of wonder in your wonder, as it were. Every episode, we'll head out onto the street to explore something that makes us wonder, either in awe or in puzzlement. Like, how do words actually work? Are strangers strange, or is it us? Why do our lives squiggle in that annoying way they seem to? And how do you keep your love life alive in the age when everyone is wearing elasticated waists and athleisure wear. We'll hear from a guest who's got something inspiring, provocative, or just plain funny to share. And using that as inspiration, then will you take the rest of the walk to find our own answers to the questions on our minds. It's a kind of experience wrapped inside a podcast, really. Now, you're welcome to listen to this lying on the sofa, but if you want to get some real inspiration, I suggest we boot up and head out onto the street together. Oh, and one more thing. If for any reason you can't get out into the street for a wonder, you know, maybe you're in lockdown or, I don't know, maybe you locked yourself in and the key is somewhere in the, the dirty laundry, whatever, do not worry. Just listen as you take a wander around your home, as you'll find. Inspiration is actually everywhere. So, hello there, wanderers. You wonderful people out there. This is David uh, Pearl in London. It's about lunchtime. And I'm out in the street, out and about, along with runners and cyclists and motorists and the occasional bird that you might hear uh, tweeting in the background. I'm sitting under the shadow, shade, of what I now know is an American sycamore tree. And I know that because I have been uh, learning the names of trees. I thought it was time. And uh, so, at least I know one tree. Oh, that and silver birch. And I'm looking down at my feet, and it's interesting, there's, um, to me anyway, there's a paving, series of paving stones that's been laid here, and there's a root of the trees pushing them up, and they've gone all wobbly. And it made me think about how often, how hard we try to make things straight in life, um, in work, and how somehow uh, things go quickly. That is a fairly contrived link to the guest that I want to introduce you to, whose name is Sarah Ellis. And she is, if anyone is at home with the idea of squiggliness, it is her. Sarah was um, having a, I would say, a, a glittering and but fairly conventional corporate career working with companies like Sainsbury's and Barclays. Um, until she decided to step off the straight and narrow, if you like, and um, set up with a friend of hers, Helen Tupper, a company called Amazing If, that ex wanted to explore the squiggly career. And that's become the name of a very successful podcast that they um, run and host, and I'm sure they'd be happy if you subscribe to. 
And as soon as I saw it, I thought, there's someone I want to talk to because squiggliness, wobbliness, wanderiness is something that's been very much on my mind the last few years. I wrote about it in Wonderful and I was puzzled looking back at how important we make straight lines, particularly in education. You know, remember, if you think back, what's one of the first things they give you when you go to a school is a ruler. Enough with the, the, the hand drawn. We want to make lines straight and reliable and go from A to B with the minimum friction and a minimum dalliance, which is a strange thought because nothing in nature, nothing in life is actually straight. And um, I've got a hunch that uh, when the world is as wobbly as ours is, it's probably a jolly good idea that we don't go straight or we'll end up in the wrong place. Anyway, that's an idea, um, one of many that I discussed with Sarah Ellis when we got together. We, we talk about um, how squiggliness first came into her life and how she realized it was a, um, there was a potential business there. Uh, we talk about curiosity. She's very curious about curiosity. And I was keen to find out how she uses it, not just as a life skill, but as a business skill too. She's quite an introverted person. She, she describes herself as that, and she finds curiosity super powerful. And um, she also gives us some great advice about how we can navigate our own squiggly lives and careers. So without further ado, I know you're keen to hear from her so let's just jump into into the conversation let's get straight to it or let's get squigglily to it is that such a word not sure let's see what sarah ellis of squiggly careers makes you curious about curiosity you can start every conversation with curiosity because everybody you've got something to learn from everyone and actually almost assuming that you don't is that incredibly arrogant. And so, you know, I'd really challenge people to kind of think, actually, you can be curious about everyone because in my experience, everyone is fascinating. You've got something to learn from everyone. No one has a monopoly on wisdom. Is one of, I really like that phrase. That was um, Ethne O'Leary, one of the few female CEOs of an investment bank once said that and it really stuck with me mm, mm. Um, and I think the reason I'm so interested about curiosity is it's one of those things where we all know that we have it when we're a kid naturally mm. that's kind of part of it's part of our DNA so it's there we have it and I think we do lose it the older we get um, unless we are intentional about staying curious and I think I don't have the answers but I'm really fascinated yeah, particularly for the work that we do, what does it mean to be intentionally curious in your job, in your team? And my favourite interview question is always, and has been for a long time, you know, talk to me about how you stay curious in your job today. And it is without fail the question people find the hardest to answer. So either I'm being really unfair, it's a really, it's a really mean interview question, but I think it's a question that people should enjoy answering like, you know, I'm asking you, how do you stay curious? What are you, mm. talk to me about what you're reading, watching, listening to, how, how are you learning? You know, how are you furthering your knowledge? Just what are you interested in? You know, that whole thing of be interested first and interesting second. Mm. And I don't kind of blame people for that. I just think it's something that probably isn't talked about or prioritized, like generally in, in organizations, people don't 
maybe even use the word that commonly. And then on top of that, even if you wanted to, you end up prioritizing the day job. You know, the tasks on the to-do list, you, you never see a task on the to-do list, which is, oh, spend 15 minutes listening to a different voice today on a, on a new podcast, or maybe a little bit more actually since COVID, because I think people have been a bit more mindful of getting away from screens and how they spend their time. And perhaps that encourages curiosity. And that's maybe interesting to explore. How do we keep some of that curiosity? Like we know people walk and listen to podcasts, which is exactly why you're doing what you do. We know that um, teams are watching TED Talks together and having a cup of tea. So TED and tea. So I I love any of these small practical ideas that we Mm. can, I guess, just make part of our day to day. I think we would never want curiosity to be, um, oh, that annoying thing you kind of never get round to. I think it should be the thing that you most look forward to in your day. Mm. Um, But I don't think that's particularly present at the moment in, in most of our working lives, which I think is a real opportunity because curiosity is how we spot opportunities, make new connections, solve problems, stay optimistic. I think it has so many benefits, um, but I think we've got to work a bit harder at, at how we do it. So you know what my next question is going to be, Sarah Ellis? <laughs> if you, when you call me Sarah Ellis, I feel like you're my mum. I but, don't know why, but there's something about it. Here you are. Here she is. Sarah Ellis. <laughs> I feel like you're telling me off. I used to get, when I was getting told off when I was little. No, was no, not at all. <laughs> no, well, I was not doing it. But what, I can't remember exact wording, but how do you stay curious in your job? That's <laughs> a great question. Uh, and as soon as you say that, you you know you've got to be ready, of course, for the response. <laughs> of course, to answer it. Well, I think, so I almost try to find things that are going to help me along the way so either spending time with people who I know I do think some people have curiosity as a natural talent and it stays with them and it's just in their DNA and who they are they've always got something really interesting they've got you know like the recommendations they're sort of they're they're the well if you like this you'd like that and if you watch this and I think like thinking about who you spend time with who is going to kind of spark your curiosity Mm. and I sort of have a few go-to people that I always think oh well if I've not spent time with this person for a while I just know that every time I do I come away with a new list of things that are just really fascinating so there's Who's one person of... give us give us just so we can get a glimpse of of Sarah going to her sort of curiosity you know stimulus station do you oh, mind okay. is, is there no, somebody so um so my sister Rachel um is naturally really curious and she told me about a book which you I can imagine you might have read actually I think it's called Straw Dogs and she is like a I think it's a philosophy book um and I was kind of I was quite interested in philosophy and she described it as the anti-amazing if and I think when someone describes something as the opposite to what you do or maybe even in direct um kind of dissonance with kind of what you stand for that is something you should spend time with and so Rachel's always brilliant at going oh this is how about that yeah no I get the polar opposite almost yeah beautiful and through her I've also subscribed to something called um stack so stack magazines um they decide what magazine to send to you so you don't know what magazine you're getting every month they just send you one and they send you a really nice letter describing why they've chosen that magazine. And I mean, they are very 
broad. So it could be dog photography. That that was actually one of them. Uh, it could be Polish economics. Uh, it might be art. I don't know from Scotland. It can it can honestly be anything. But they are all beautifully curated and kind of put together. And actually, that's again just spending time with something that I wouldn't normally spend time with, yeah. which again. I think partly gets you out of your comfort zone because we're yes. all creatures of habit and takes takes a bit of time to get ourselves yes. kind of spending time in new places and spaces. And I think it means that there's a prompt. I do think sometimes you need, when you're trying to build these new habits, you need a prompt. Yes. And that landing on my doorstep, I sort of then go, oh, next time I'm going to make a nice coffee, that's what I'll be flicking through to see. Like I know I've got one downstairs now ready to open. And so probably straight after this, I'll have a cup of tea. I'll go and see, I'll go and see, I don't know what it is yet. I'll go and see what it is. Yeah. Um, and then I think just knowing who are the people who are really good curators. You know, the people who are natural curators of curiosity. So they they maybe have a newsletter where they bring together things that you're interested in. Um, so I'm a big fan of Emma Gannon's um, newsletter. Really like the way that she writes and brings different things from different worlds together she's naturally really creative and curious I like Adam Grants who is a bit more in my world in terms of people and careers and work and so again you know like most things I suppose it sort of starts with people and then not being afraid to follow the threads and I think not worrying if something doesn't feel relevant right now oh that's the thing you've got to trust in Oh, now you've, you've my 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 neurons are firing off. Tell me more because I've been I've been itching to ask you about Squiggly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got a pretty serious business going there, a million listeners on to your podcast and so on. And you've been brave about putting a word in which is clearly not a sort of corporate or a grown-up word. It's got this kind of childlike quality. Mm-hmm. Where does your confidence about Squiggly come from? This this following the threads of something you're not quite sure of seems to connect with that. Tell us more about your love affair with squiggliness. Well, Squiggly's interesting. I think Squiggly actually wasn't, for us, initially about the word. It was about a picture. It was about a visual. So we're very visual in the work that we do, not because we are creatives or designers. I think it's... um, pretty clear when you come to our workshops you see that quite quickly but we do draw we draw all of our tools techniques and ideas we never we've not used a single slide ever um because that's just not the way that we think people learn the best and so and we think people remember visuals we think it helps you to uh you know you kind of create i saw this lovely description the other day of we all have these memory palaces and visuals do a much better job of staying in our memory palace, of finding a home in it's our memory palace. Your memory palace isn't full of bullet points and pie charts. It's basically... Or PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so we've always used visuals. And Squiggly originally came from um, me drawing in a coffee shop, bit of a cliche, to Helen and kind of going, oh, careers used to look more like a ladder or a staircase and kind of drawing that little staircase. Yeah. And then I said, I sort of drew a little arrow and said, oh, now they just feel a bit more like this and just drew this squiggly line. And we sort of went, oh, yeah, it's sort of squiggly, isn't it? But actually it was the it was the visual yeah. that really stuck with people. And funnily enough, actually, when we first started talking about it, we were always drawing it. We were drawing it in a workshop and people would look at it and straight away get it and nod along. 
And we knew we knew it was kind of a sticky phrase and something that people just understood intuitively, which is always really useful. But in those early days in 2013, where we first started talking about it and talked to um, some companies and first started thinking about our book a couple of years later, mm-hmm. people didn't like it. People weren't ready for Squiggly, um, mm. I think it's fair to say. And they it maybe didn't sound grown up enough. Um, maybe it just people didn't maybe quite feel ready to let go of the ladder yet. Um, you know, we we tried to sell our book um way before it it came out with Penguin in January 2020. Nobody interested, you know, the real classic four million rejection letters and just 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 people just weren't on board with it. Um and it just took another couple of years of sharing it. We felt confident in it. So at no point did we ever think of ditching it. We just thought, oh, okay, fair enough. Um, maybe people are not quite ready for it yet, but we still felt like it was a good reflection of both people's experiences of their career today. No one's career is a straight line. I'm not sure it ever was, but it certainly isn't now. And actually people's aspirations don't go mm. in a straight line mm-hmm. either. Mm. So we didn't think it reflected experiences or aspirations. Mm. And we knew because when we talked to people in a room, we knew that people did get it. So Mm. we sort of just had to wait for everybody else to catch up, I think, in some ways, and people to get used to the idea. And also we got better at probably communicating it and working out how to talk about it in in a way that worked. So, yeah, that's sort of the origins of Squiggly, less about the word, more about the picture. Sounds as though your clients and the world generally sort of un- were happy to sort of over time unlearn the idea that careers are straight. In fact, we spoke about it once before that the word career, when you look it up, means to crash down the side of a mountain to career. <laughs> and it is not, it's, it's not a straight line, but presumably there's a sort of, there's something consoling for people to think that there are ladders out there. There are ordered progressions and there is, there is, there, they sort of can control the future. I think everybody wants control mm. because control makes us feel confident. Um, and I don't think in squiggly careers, what when we we're not sort of suggesting a that you shouldn't be ambitious to to progress. I think we are suggesting that progression is about much more than only promotions. But I think certainly in our experience, and in the last year, we've probably trained between fifteen and twenty thousand people, wow. like all over the world. Wow we don't see very much evidence of people clinging onto that ladder at all. We don't see people going, we've still we still see people obviously being ambitious and, you know, you might want to be a CEO, you might not. I think what appeals to people about Squiggly is careers as individual as we are. So you can define your own success, you can navigate your own squiggle in a way that works for you. I think the control that people are looking for is how do I draw my own squiggle yeah. in a way that works for me versus yeah. feeling like my squiggle is out of control or perhaps being drawn for me. And I think that's the bit that people yeah. are trying to kind of get a hold of and get get a grasp of is going, I want to feel like I am exploring possibilities that are really interesting for me, that there is the potential to progress in new and different ways. Um, and part of that at some point might be, you know, being promoted but in a 47-year-long, on average, career, that's not going to be the way that you progress most of the time. It might be through 
new learning. It might be through different teams. It might be through trying out working for yourself versus versus working for other people. Mm. Could be trying out freelance. And so I think just the kind of fluidity and also people get getting more used to, there will also always be an aspect of your career that is out of your control. That is that is people I think there's that acceptance from people now yeah. going, you've got to kind of it's a cliche of the control the controllables. But too often I think we can spend time worrying about things that we can't control. Yes. Our organizational structures, yeah. who our next manager might be, or um what role might or might not appear. And I think you're much better off, I think, like focusing on yourself. And Helen, my uh, co-founder, her favourite kind of quote is run your own race. And I think uh, that's yeah. a good a good bit of guidance for your, yeah. um, for your career today. Okay, wanderers, wanderistas, wonderful people. Um, now, this is the point where I normally step in um, and suggest an exercise inspired by something the guest has said. But Sarah's such a pro that she actually suggests her own exercise for us to do. Listen on. Yeah, I think if you can on your walk and if the weather is, is good enough, uh, perhaps try this exercise, which I think can be really revealing. If you can, try and stop the seven minutes Uh, So set your phone to a seven minute timer and spend seven minutes just writing about all the successes you've had in your career so far. So seven minutes of successes. And there, of course, most of your successes will involve other people along the way. But try and really focus on you and the role that you played. So, you know, what did you do? How did you make that happen? Why did that feel so great? Like, why did that success come to mind? And it can be very small successes, like really small things that might have happened in the last week or two weeks, or they might be really big moments from, you know, a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. The time frame doesn't matter. You can play around. You don't have to do this in a linear way. That would be, wouldn't really work, would it, from a squiggly careers person? <laughs> do your successes. Um, just spend seven minutes, sort of like a journaling exercise. You can just do this on your phone, like in the notes pages, or if you've got something and you want to write it down, go for it. But just try and write and reflect on all of your successes and then sort of stop and just think about kind of what was it that really kind of gets you motivated and that has why did those things kind of spring to mind? And I think that very short exercise and we've suggested it to people before and it always seems to be a simple thing that can work really well. It can help you to answer the question, which I think everybody should ask every week, was my time at work this week? well spent and every week is squiggly every week has good moments bad moments frustrating moments hopefully some moments of learning and joy and all that good stuff but I think when you kind of get to whenever the end of your week is whether that's a Thursday or a Friday or the middle of a Wednesday just thinking about that rather than thinking oh I'll be happy when or oh it will be okay at this point and it's always a kind of a future sense of of enjoyment and of satisfaction I'm much more interested in how can we make sure that when you get to the end of your week that your time at work that week feels like time really well spent for you and and for the organization too and I think the more time you spend using your strengths 
kind of living your values, doing work that you find meaningful and motivating, not what you think you should do or what anyone else kind of thinks you should do. Um, the more often the answer to that question will be yes, and you'll feel really good about yourself. Okay, so you heard Sarah. Um, I suggest we do the exercise that she uh, she suggests. Um, and the great things we can do it while we're walking. So she suggests seven minutes. So see if you can spend the next seven minutes working on this exercise. I'll do it alongside you. Um, and um, now she mentioned journaling. Uh, I don't have a journal with me, and um, you might, but if you don't, don't worry. Just use your mind as a journal, and let's let's as we wander consider some of those questions that she mentioned you know what are my successes so far what is the role I played in it in those successes what what did I do how did it happen and then finally just think about the week you've had and ask yourself given all I know about success. How well was that time spent? Off you go. Let's have a wander and a think and I'll speak to you in about 10 minutes. So what an interesting wonder, thinking about Sarah Ellis's questions about success and how we spend our time um, as kind of a guidance mechanism to how you can get, you know, orientate yourself towards more success. So for me, I, looking back on the things that I consider successful, I thought there were some things popped into my mind. And, and the first was, I think it was about picking up a tiny signal or most of the decent ideas I've had have been tiny little things that just kind of I suppose I got curious about they're, they they call them flirts in process psychology but things that flirted with me and 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 sort of following that sort of off the path if you like into the undergrowth the second was I s tend to get great people get great friends you know summon friends around me whenever I've been successful have been great friends around me I think the third thing is I've got this kind of, I think I've, when it's been successful I have had a childlike ability to make it really important, doesn't matter whatever it was, you know, having an opera company that sh could also do circus was like my all. It was the ability to, perhaps it is the childlike ability just to kind of think a small idea is super big and, and really believe in it. Um, it's kind of a youthful thing, uh, I should do more of it. Um, and um, yeah, then I think there is a sort, I'm not a very courageous person, I don't think, but I think I get quite stupidly courageous at the beginning of these ideas and just throw myself in. I can remember, I can remember, you know, do, doing stuff where I was sick with fear beforehand, but somehow forced myself to do it. And I'm not a courageous person, but, but somehow you found the courage in there. Uh, you know what they say? What is it? Courage is not about having no fear, but having the fear and doing it anyway. Anyway, uh, that was my that was my thought. What was yours? It'd be great to hear what insights you got. Um, you know, do share them. 
with us at the podcast and maybe we'll feature them in a, in a future show. It just remains for me to say thank you, thank you, thank you, Sarah Ellis, for sharing your wisdom on all things squiggly with us. And thank you, my wonderful companion, my audio wanderer, um, partner, uh, for joining me out here on the street for another episode of Wonderful. Hope to see you soon uh, for some inspiration to go. If you want to find out more about how you can use these techniques to find clarity and navigate your life, then check out streetwisdom.org. Street Wisdom is a non-profit founded by David Pearl and is in 67 countries around the world. It's a free workshop run by volunteers and its mission is to bring inspiration to every street on earth. If you'd like to get involved, you can join a free workshop or download our audio guide from streetwisdom.org. We'd love for you to share the magic of street wisdom, so please do tell a friend. And you can give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook at streetwisdom underscore. And if you'd like a copy of Wonderful, you can find it on Amazon in book and Kindle form. All profits will go to Street Wisdom. Wonderful is a Pearl Group production. You can find David on social media at David Pearl here or his website davidpearl.net.